Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Back in the times of the Roman Republic, one of the greatest honors that could ever be bestowed upon a person was to be given what was called a triumph. A triumph was a giant festive parade that functioned as both a civil and a religious ceremony that celebrated a great accomplishment or military victory, usually by a general of some sort. And so the general wore a crown of laurel and was decked in purple and and gold, colors that represented royalty and kings. And And that was a big deal because if you're familiar with Roman history, before the Caesars came along, the the Romans were always trying to avoid a king or dictator. But during a triumph, this person got to be king for a day. The general who was being honored would ride in a four-horse chariot through the streets of Rome in this giant procession with, with all of his armies. There would be prisoners that they had brought back from war. There would be exotic animals and treasures that that came from the place that they had won their victory. The general also painted his face red to imitate Rome's highest and most powerful god, Jupiter. And in the procession, there would also be sacrificial animals that were being led to Jupiter's temple. The triumph was making its way through the streets of Rome, up the Capitoline Hill, up to the temple of Jupiter, where the festivities and the sacrifices would commence. You see, a triumph was an over-the-top display of power. It was supposed to display the general's power and the successes they had. This was the closest any mortal human being could ever dream of becoming like one of the gods. And the triumph was meant to show that the gods were with them and, and had blessed them with great success. Now, over time, the triumphs grew more and more lavish. They became more and more ornate, and sometimes they would even last for days. But triumphs were pretty rare, all things considered. You were, if you were a Roman citizen, you were lucky if you got to see one in your lifetime. But if you did see it, then you knew that something special had happened. Well, today, Palm Sunday, we see a different kind of triumph take place. One not called a triumph, per se, but a triumphal entry. And this wasn't a military parade celebrating a military victory, but when you look at the reactions of the crowds that day, you could be excused for thinking something like that had happened. John even tells us that the reason why the crowd went out to meet him on that Sunday was because that they had heard that Jesus had done something extraordinary. That Jesus, that they heard that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead in nearby Bethany. We heard about that in last week's gospel reading. And so the crowds were welcoming Jesus with great joy and fanfare. Hosanna, they cried, which means save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So Jesus was receiving a a king's welcome, a general's welcome. But unlike a Roman triumph, this wasn't a man pretending to be a god. This was God in human flesh. And he wasn't leading some animals to be sacrificed in response and thanksgiving for a successful campaign. No, he was the sacrifice. And his campaign was to offer himself for the sake of the sins of the entire world. 
And Jesus didn't ride in with with armies in tow to display his magnificent power. No, Jesus restrained angel armies from coming to his aid so that he could display his true power, a power unlike anything the world had ever seen before. Now, certainly the crowds had expectations on what they thought that power should look like. Again, John tells us that the people who had witnessed the raising of Lazarus went ahead of Jesus into Jerusalem to bear witness about it. They were telling everyone they could. And who wouldn't? Can you even imagine what they were thinking? Whatever the people of Jerusalem thought that Jesus was doing, whether it was leading a rebellion against the Romans or leading some kind of religious reform or whatever, whatever they wanted Jesus to do, they must have been thinking, well, what can stop us now that we have Jesus on our side? He can do more than we ever had hoped. He can heal anyone. He can revive from the dead anyone. Jesus was capable of demonstrating power to those who were currently in power, whether that was the religious leaders in Jerusalem or the Roman authorities. For the people, it must have seemed like their time was now up. You see, for the crowds, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem meant endless possibilities of power. Was that what Jesus was thinking? Well, as we said, Jesus was intending to demonstrate power on Palm Sunday. That's true. But it wasn't the kind of power that everyone else had in mind. And the first indication of this was one of the first choices he made, which was not to ride a four-horse chariot into Jerusalem, but rather to ride on a humble beast of burden, a donkey. And just this one choice alone, it it sets the tone for the, the rest of the week to come, a week we call Holy Week, a week where Jesus would continue to demonstrate his power, not through what we call powerful things or not what we think look like powerful things, but rather through quite humble things, even humiliating things. Immediately after this triumph concludes, it seems the first people to seek after Jesus were some Greeks. And, and Jesus goes to them, and, and he begins talking with them about something that seemed so powerless. He begins to look forward five days to Friday, and he begins to talk about his death. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Doesn't death seem like the opposite of glory? The ultimate antithesis to power? After all, death stops life. Death means you are so entirely subject to the control of someone or something else that you do not even have the power to preserve your own life. And and so Jesus, talking about death, no one could comprehend why he was bringing all this up. The hour has come, Jesus said, for the Son of Man to be glorified. And so coming off the, the great high of the triumphal entry, everyone probably thought, glorified, great, let's hear it. What powerful thing is Jesus going to show us now? But then Jesus starts talking about dying. And so no one could really follow his train of thought. How can glory, how can power 
be associated with death. We also may find ourselves thinking this way throughout our lives. After all, we have times in our moments where times and, and moments in our lives where we experience we experience those moments, or maybe it's a long series of moments, a whole season of our lives, and we feel just utterly helpless. We feel powerless. And this is especially true when we see the effects of sin or suffering or death in our lives, whether it's when others around us suffer or get sick or when we ourselves are facing the reality of death. And, and maybe, we're, or maybe we're mourning because someone that we love has died. And there's so many other moments as well. We can't help but feel powerless in all of these moments. Nothing we can do can change them. This fallen world corrupted by sin so often rears its ugly head that we witness. And, and as much time and as much effort as we spend in our lives thinking that we're building up some semblance of control, whether that's managing our families or our finances or our homes or our free time, all the things that we do that make us feel good because it makes us feel like we are in control, it only takes one moment, one diagnosis, one family event, one accident, one death to reveal the truth. The truth is that we're not in control and we don't actually have any real power because in this world, we are still always subject to sin and death. So who does have power over us? Do illnesses, does sin, does evil, does Satan, does death have power over us? Well, I'll be honest, some days it seems like they do. But you see, what Jesus said on that Palm Sunday and, and what he is saying again to us today is the one who has true power over us is not any of those things. No, the only one who has power over us and over all things for that matter is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus redirects the focus of those around him that Palm Sunday to see his upcoming death in five short days. And, and what he's doing is preparing them for the moment when, when although it's going to look like sin and suffering and death hold power over him, that what he's actually doing is reversing the power that sin, suffering, and death have over us. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, Jesus says. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And Jesus is that grain of wheat. And he willingly and humbly subjected himself to the cruelest and most powerful forces that Satan and this fallen world and death could throw at him. But just like a grain of wheat which dies in the ground so that new life can come up through the dirt, Jesus went to the cross and his body went into the ground in the tomb. And because he died, Jesus was able to come out then on the other side into life. And that is true power. And he alone holds it. You see, Jesus didn't avoid suffering and death. In fact, surprisingly, Jesus knew that his suffering and death were coming and 
that they were necessary, necessary for him to show true power. Because it was at the cross that Jesus took the brunt of the attacks that evil and sin were able to mount against him. And it was at the cross that Jesus was able to defeat every enemy that tried to take him down so that he could then share his victory with you and me. Jesus defeated sin so that he can now forgive your sin. Jesus defeated the devil so that you never need to fear the devil. And Jesus defeated death so that he might give you everlasting life. What that battle, which Jesus waged at the cross, assures us is that on days when we may feel powerless against things in this world, things like sin, things like suffering or afflictions or illnesses or anxiety or attacks of the devil, even death itself, When we feel powerless against those things in this world, we know that we have someone on our side who holds the power over all of those things. Now, for a short time, it may seem like we are still subject to those things. During our earthly lives, we may yet still walk in the dark shadows that those things cast over us. But but do not be deceived. They have no control over you. They do not have the last word over your life. Jesus does. And his word for you and for me and for all believers in him is a word of forgiveness and eternal life. And what's more, just as the darkness of Good Friday is eventually dispelled by the light of Easter, we also know that the day is coming in this world when Jesus will return to earth and will dispel all darkness. And and he'll return not in another display of humility or sacrifice like the first time, but rather like we heard about in our epistle reading today, he will return in a display of eternal glory, a true triumph of power. The day when every knee will bow at his name in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The day when we will be raised with him to live forever. To live forever with the one who has power over all things. And the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So as we prepare once again to walk alongside our Lord this Holy Week, as we observe his passion and suffering, we are reminded that the festivities of Palm Sunday do lead to the tragedy of Good Friday. The triumph of his entry into Jerusalem does lead to the humiliation of the cross. But we also remember that it is at the cross that Jesus demonstrated his victory over sin and death, that he is our true king and that he alone holds power over death and life and us. When we sing our offertory hymn in in just a moment, right on, right on in majesty, I want you to pay attention to the final stanza that we're singing today, which says this, Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. Bow thy meek head to mortal pain, then take, O God, thy power and reign. It was in death 
that Jesus displayed true power. And so it is in all of our weaknesses and even in our own death that Jesus's power will be on display again. In his name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.